up, Jimbo? Yo, yo, yo. So, so, so I got a question. I didn't for you. say Josh. I didn't say Josh. Yo, 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 Josh. Thank you. You know, I don't want people getting confused what podcast I listen to. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. No, no, leave what? that in. That's perfect. <laughs> Okay, good. Warts and all. Here we go. Uh, okay, good to hear. Um, so anyway, Jimbo, I got a, I've got a burning question that struck me. It was the it's like almost the ultimate navel gazing thing. I got to ask you a question: um, Fritos or corn nuts? Neither. They're both shitty. They're both shitty. Okay. Well, the thing I, is, I cannot stand. I cannot stand, stand either of those things. All Never right. Could. Well, that's that, that's interesting. That, because... That's not. That's not even. That's not even. That's only a navel gaze. That's a navel lick. If you enjoy eating dirty, smelly navels, then you enjoy corn nuts and Fritos. Well, it is funny that you should say that um, because, um, well, one of the reasons is that they both have the exact same ingredients, which are just corn, oil, and salt. But the other thing is, is um, it was brought to my attention by, by my, my brother's wife or my sister-in-law that um, Fritos smell like Which one dogs. is it, your brother's wife or your sister-in-law? Ha ha ha! <laughs> that 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 my uh, that the uh, Fritos smell like dogs' paws, and I don't know how many dogs' paws you've smelled in in, in your life, but I've smelled one or two, and um, there is definitely a, a, a similar scent. Um, I don't go out of my way. Yeah, the only you know to go up to a dog's foot, I generally leave that to the dogs to do to each other, but. If you, but in the way that we generally um, accept that most things dog-related, other than their absolute cuteness and loyalty, are on the stinkier side, I would have to concur. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm still thrown for a loop since I hadn't told you ahead of time. So no, no Fritos nor corn nuts. No, I do not. I, I do not eat those. Sam, I am. Okay. Okay. I, yeah, I mean, it's it, corn, corn nuts for sure because I, I, I don't like the texture. I don't like the smell. I, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing about them that I like. Um, and then, uh, and then Frito Lays and Fritos, they're just, I, I, you know, I mean, if I'm going to go for chips, right? If I'm going to, if I'm going to, if, first off, if I'm, if I'm at a convenience store, I almost never buy chips anyway, right? If I'm, if I'm buying, if I'm buying snack food like chips, I almost never buy chips. But okay. If, are you more on that guy? Um, <laughs> I like the setup you did there. Um, oh yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> if, if I if I if if I'm like if I'm like you mean like driving food like if I'm stopping at a gas station yeah sure kind of stuff, sure. In that case, I I don't get nuts or chips. I'll usually search for some sort of version of a protein bar. Okay. Yeah, whatever they, whatever they happen to have a Cliff Bar or something like that. Mm. Um, if these if these are my only options, that's what I'm going to go for. Generally speaking, if I'm hungry. And there's, I'm stopping at a gas station. There's almost universally like a Taco Bell right next door where I'll get something more substantial. Um, oh, then, Taco Bell to go to. Okay. Right. You know, but you know, but generally speaking, if it's just a quick little bite thing, I'll I'll get a protein bar. I'm not. But if like for partying, like for home snack food, I don't almost never do chips. But let's say I'm having a sandwich at a deli and it comes with a bag of chips. I would never ever in a million years. Frito Lay, always potato chips. Mm. Wow. Okay. If their only choice is Frito Lay, I would say no chips, please. That's wow. I, okay. I, 
It doesn't work. Not, not even with bean dip or anything like that? I mean, okay, yeah. If there's bean dip and I'm starving and there's no other food at the potluck. <laughs> you know. I'm I'm, I'm guessing you enjoy both of one or either of these things. I do, I do. And I was struck by the fact that, well, you know, within the same week, I was eating um, both of those products. And I had uh, glanced at the ingredients, and I realized that the ingredients were exactly the same. And so um, I I prefer a a corn nut to a Frito-Lay. But but obviously, I'm not not eating corn nuts and bean dip. Well, that would be just messy, right? Yeah, I suppose you could throw the nuts into the bean dip and then scoop them out with a spoon. That would or be a freedom. Ooh. Okay. Um, that that what I, uh, when you're talking about throwing corn nuts into a burrito, that's not a navel gaze. That's just a gluttonous mess. Oh, oh, that hurts. Well, I know that you I were mean, curious. I suppose I, I suppose there were there was a time in my younger college days where I might have experimented with that kind of uh, culinary experience, but I will pass it away. Mm, fair enough. Um, out of curiosity, I know that since we're talking about, you know, fast food and um, snacks and such, uh, you've got some, some like, good habits that you're, that you're working on? Anything going on with you as far as what you're trying to get done? I understand you've got some, some running going on these days. Yeah, I've been trying to run more. Uh, uh, I, last week, I ran three times, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, it, it, so I've been trying to do my form better because I, I did read or hear somewhere, I cannot remember which, that any of the evidence that running is bad for your back or knees um, is more born out of the fact that those are the number one injuries associated with running. But if your form is correct, you are less prone to the injury. But running over time will not, say, uh, kill your cartilage or, or your tendons. You, you, it's not the, it's not the act of running, it's the act of running incorrectly, which will lead to injury. That makes it, um, hard on the body. And so I took that to heart and said, I need to learn to run properly. And I don't know if I was doing it properly or improperly, but my back and my knees have been killing me every day. <laughs> so no running. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. It, could all, it could also just be sore muscles because I haven't done it in so long, right? Because I also know that when you run sort of in proper form, you tend to go faster because you kind of lean into it, mm-hmm. um, right, with the midfoot strike. It, it, uh, and so may, I know that it was my best time of the three days was on Friday and uh, by far, far and away. So I could just be tired from sort of exerting the muscles around that area. But we'll see. The other thing I've been doing, and, and I would, wanted to ask you about, have you ever heard of doing a cold plunge? Uh, cold plunge? I know I've heard of cold showers. That, that cold right. showers well, are supposedly better than hot showers. Right. Well, so a cold plunge in the strictest sense is if you had, like, this is something I guess where people do. Um, they can set up in the house. Or there's places where you can go to do this where it's, it's, it's like a bath, but it's kept at some, you know, Arctic temperature, like 45 degrees or something like that, and you just soak in in the bath. Well, obviously, I don't have access to that sort of stuff. 
Um, I'm not a billionaire, and I'm not going to go to some place to do that. But I've been doing the I've been hitting a cold shower where I just get into the shower and turn on the water uh, and let it warm up. And supposedly this is uh, better for your muscles as well as it's supposed to act as a bit of a mood. And so I was asking, I was wanting to know if you'd ever done anything like that. Uh, you know, the, I had a I have a former student who went um, the the cold shower route. Um, and became evangelical about it probably almost 10 years ago now. And, um, I did try it a couple times and it was, um, it, it was very, very challenging for me, though I do know that it's, it's what's supposedly best. I have, um, jumped into an, um, ice cold, um, man-made lake before, um, like literally with ice in it. And I have done a swim in and in icy waters. Um, so much so that I actually, um, like the shock to the system was such that I was supposed to swim underneath a, um, like a, like a, a log and I came up and bumped my head on the, like I, I panicked so much when I hit the icy water that I came up, bumped the, um, the log and didn't find out, this was during the Tough Mudder. And didn't find out until like a half a mile down the road. This is the tough mutter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't find out until like a half a mile down the road that my forehead was actually um, bleeding, was dripping blood as a result of how hard I hit this this log. That um, as a result of again that that sheer panic of of diving into that that icy water. So not a big fan of the the icy water swim. Well. I think there's a big difference between an icy water swim and a cold plunge, like you're getting into a cold soak or a cold shower, because right, obviously right. you're you're you know. But there's something to be said about the mood enhancer, though, because uh, it your adrenaline's pumped to such a degree that you didn't feel the pain of uh, I mean of the, the hitting your head. I mean, you might have felt it somewhat, but if you were bleeding, it had to. Have, I think under normal circumstances, that blow would have hurt more than it did. Under that, those conditions. Oh, certainly. Well, and and part of it was that I didn't actually. I I believe that I didn't really start bleeding until a half a mile down the road because of the ice. Oh, I see what you're saying. Right. Yeah, right, yeah, right. yeah. Well, I, I think both of those those were at play there. Well, I've I've been doing at least five times a week, starting my shower cold. Um, I I don't do the whole thing because that's that's absurd. <laughs> right, right. I'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not willing to go there yet. But uh, but it, it has I I can't say that it uh, rejected any injury. Who knows? Maybe maybe I would have been even in worse shape with my back and knees had I not finished it with the, with the cold with the cold shower. Or maybe right. it would have been better if I had done an entire cold shower versus you know three or four minutes or however long it took the water to heat up. Yeah, who knows? You could start banging your head on the the shower spigot. That would be problematic. Um. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not. Hey, well, we, <laughs> I don't, I don't see, I'm not submerging myself. That's the difference, right? Uh -huh. I mean, I could, if I wanted to, I could, you know, if I, if I wanted to start banging my head on things, I could go ahead and try that to see if I felt the pain, but that's really not really the point of the exercise. So, mm -hmm. um, so what, what you're just not, I understand not wanting to swim in ice water, but you've tried to cold shower and it's not for you. You, um, you didn't yeah. experience any positive benefit. You know, I can't tell you if it's that I dislike the cold shower too much or that I like the warm shower too much. You know, I'm I'm 
Maybe maybe I'm just a softy and I enjoy you know warm water. And I, um, I do too. That's why that's why I do the stand in the shower, turn on the water first thing in the morning. It's going to be cold. And then once it warms up, right, you get to enjoy the warm part, but you still get the sort of the the, the boost from the cold water. Ah, intriguing. Okay, well, that maybe maybe I'll consider it in that way because um, the other thing is too is I just hate being cold, and so the notion of getting out of the shower and being cold is frustrating to me. But now, now you're, you're, you're feeling good. Do you, do you think maybe you just hate feeling good? I hate feeling just, good. That right? Because I mean, there's so many benefits to the cold water that you just you sabotage yourself with this hot hot water. Uh, I doubt it. Something <laughs> <laughs> tells me that's not true. But you know, something that has been making me feel good these days is um, I did um, revisit an album that I never, I, I think, um, fully appreciated as a kid, and that's uh, U2, The Joshua Tree. And I know you're a bigger U2 fan than I am historically. And uh, I'm surprised that I'm surprised that this album hasn't been an important part of your development as it's your namesake and such. Right. Yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, you're right. Well, maybe maybe that's why I was resistant to it. I don't know. But um, just so you know, it wasn't named for you. It was named for an actual tree in in place in the California desert. So. Uh, how do you know this? Uh, Joshua Tree, California. Just outside of in the, in the Palm Desert area, I understand the coincidence. Yeah, I understand the coincidence. Oh, that, that's not a, I I I don't know this for fact, but when you consider the, the spiritual nature of people going to the desert and the, and the spiritual nature of especially especially that area, and they even talk about in the, their references to the desert in the album. Uh, and and that also references to sort of American culture in, in the album. I took it for granted that the, these things were all connected. Uh, I I too am an American, and I have gone through a spiritual journey. Yeah, but Bono and Diet didn't know you at the time. But may, maybe they'd heard. You know, I I was pretty pretty impressive at, when I was in junior high. Right, as a ten year old. Right, <laughs> I did. I did. I think, I did that, album out, I think that album dropped in '87, right? So, okay. Well, nonetheless, um, I would I would go so far as to say that that album is pretty doggone perfect. Um, every single song, every single um, uh, accompaniment, arrangement, everything about it is perfect. The um, like. My only complaint, which is totally subjective, is the sassy. Well, 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 but this this is particularly subjective that they stack the album with the three singles as the first three songs, and I I feel that so many of those songs could have been singles, and um, I fear that it sets up a scenario where one can easily overlook some of the other you know phenomenal songs on the album. Um, by just listening through, you know, because I have found that many people, when listening to an album, can listen to three to five songs, especially nowadays, and then move on to a different different album. Whereas, or or even during that time, listen to one side of an album, and then move on to something else. 
Right, because but, it was either a cassette tape or a, or a LP. Right, right, right. And it, like I said, that's when I say subjective, I just mean that that is, um, you know, not a criticism of the content of the album. Just uh, it, it's a shame because, like I said, everything is perfect on it. Sure. I wonder, you know, it would be an interesting question to know how they decided on that order. Mm-hmm. Who decided or, on it. Or how they decided on what would be released as singles, too. Well, yeah, sure that. I, I think I think those three songs are the strongest songs. Okay, uh, you know, I I think that's subjective and difficult uh, well, to know. Well, I mean, well, let's. They're the strongest songs that play out for radio uh, enthusiasm. I don't think uh, "Bullet to the Blue Sky" it was was going to get as much wide range uh, appeal. Well, absolutely not. Absolutely uh, not. Possibly, right. that, of all the other songs, I'd say that's the least commercial. But I think the sandwich of that and running the stand still would are like the most powerful example of what would work in a concert setting. But yeah, Bullet in the Blue Sky, though a remarkable album, is probably the one that stands out as not a single. If I were to choose one. Still perfect, right. but not a single. Right. But I mean what other what other songs do you think would have been as strong as radio play? Uh, I think Running to Stand Still is as strong as um, uh, the – shoot, all of a sudden I'm blanking on um, – I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Or Where the Streets Have No Name. Although Where the Streets Have No Name, I know – I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, about the um, It Might Get Loud documentary with the with um, yeah. the Edge and Jimmy yeah. Page and Jack White. I don't, know and that, I don't know that we've talked about it on here, but we've talked about it in live. Okay, yeah, 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 but just that scene where he's just playing that super crazy simple riff, just sitting there, like, I think it's even on an acoustic guitar, and he plays it, and then it cuts to them doing it at some, like, amphitheater, like, you know, Wembley Stadium or whatever, and it cuts perfectly to them doing it, and it is just blow your mind awesome. But I, I know, I, I think One Tree Hill also, um, it would work as a single, and then um, I spoke too soon about um, Bullet's Blue Sky. I think Mothers of the Disappeared also is not a single, but still works perfectly in the context of the album. I, I don't, but I, I don't think, I think God's Country is a remarkable song, but I think there would be a reluctance to have something that might be too overtly religious to release as a single. Um, One Tree Hill and Red Mining Town also all, all work as well. Um, I think as as almost those first three songs, I think With or Without You is the one is, of course, probably in my mind, the one that stands out as the most specifically single. Well, um, unfortunately, we'll never know, but I, I, I happen to agree. I, will, I, I agree with their decisions that I think those, okay. were the, the, you know, those are the, well, the most radio-friendly, and we're going to have the broadest range of appeal. Right. So you know, in, in, in overall sound, in, in things like tempo, Okay. Um, I, I feel like thousands of instances of radio play makes that a, um, you know, reinforces the, the wisdom of that decision, whether or not it's true. You know, what, once you hear something on the radio a thousand times, it sounds like a radio song. And I, it, they are radio songs, absolutely. But I just think that it, it's yeah, hard to back I mean, away. I, 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 would, I would say that still haven't found what I, I'm looking for uh, 
his vocals are stronger and they have wider range and are going to impress more people than One Tree Hill. I'm not saying, you know, I, they're both good songs. I'm not trying to say it's not a good song. I'm just sort of talking. In, I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to imagine. I'm trying to imagine One Tree Hill being released released in lieu of still the time I'm looking for and wondering how I, you know, not not both. Yeah, it could have also, but um, you know, but. If they could only do three, which three? Right. It, well, it begs the question also, though, why three? Well, I don't know. I, I, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, it, there, there was a different, there was a different um, you know, way that they released songs back then. They didn't beat them to death as much as they did now. They would usually have about three or four months, and then they'd release the next one. Um, it, could, it could be that by the time... They were working on the next release. Uh, popular music had kind of a lot happened between '87 and '89, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of in, in terms of pre- preferred styles. You know, in '87 we were still doing you know outside of uh, outside of this they were you know they're still doing Whitney Houston, um, and by '89 they were practically at the music factory, right? So well, and oh, and Def Leppard hysteria, by the way. Right, of course. Which, which which is another thing that I would speak to is having re-listened to it. Man, if that that album could be released today, and those songs fit perfectly on the radio in 1987, like it, it's a pretty amazingly universal sound that it. it You're talking about Joshua Tree. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not right. a fair. Right, it it it, the, the, it it has a timelessness to it, but I don't think it would be released on the radio today because um, it, it doesn't really it, it, they they have to release it as country music. Uh, no, there, there's a genre um, music that, that that would fit into um, most definitely, like Blitz and Trapper or um, uh, what's the, not of Mice and Men, but there's Monsters and Men. And or um, okay. uh, what's it called? The Mumford and Sons, and they, there is an Americana um, a genre that is Fair alive enough. and well today. It would it wouldn't have yeah. obviously it wouldn't be a top ten Billboard pop pop album, but it could still okay. be released and be seen okay. as credible. And kind of, I, like, uh, I, I, I like that and seen as credible. I like that qualification. Well, no, no. I mean, like, not. No, I know, movie. I know, I know what you mean yeah. by it. I, I just, I was, you know, I was probably going to push back until you added that qualifier. Oh, very, very nice. So, as as I know, you know, we have, um, well, countless listeners, and I got a little bit bit of feedback from um, one of our uh, very special listeners about our, our our conversation about this is us just recently, and. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is our, this is our first, I would like to note this is historic because I believe this is the first time we will be discussing uh, listener feedback. Well, yeah, and I would encourage all listeners. Well, first of all, I'd like to say um, thank you to anybody who is listening, but a big um, multiple thank yous to anyone who shares this podcast with anyone else or shares any sort of um, thoughts about this uh, podcast with anyone else, because I feel like it's almost navel-gazing squared at that point. You know, not navel-gazing squared. Yeah, yeah, but navel-gazing squared. 
But yeah, it's, like, um, well, it's, it's also the further we grow, it's like it's like a naval gate across America, right? <laughs> or naval across America. Right. 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 Yeah. It, it linked linked by our, our linked by our love of the belly button <laughs> and staring staring into them. Anyhow, uh, of course, the, the phrase is not literal, but take it how you will. I don't care. Right, right, right. So a- anyway, I, I would say if, if I were to boil, and I hope that I'm doing justice to, um, to, to the point that was being made, uh, but to boil down this point to its most, um, uh, most primal is that it, I, I, there was a concern about this, us being described as manipulative. And sure. You know what? It, before you go on, I, re- I just listened to our own conversation, and I realized that Probably didn't make my point as clear as I could have, but go on. Oh, proceed. Well, no. Well, then, then I imagine. No, no, no. Go on. No, no. I want you to go on. I want you to hear the whole, the whole concern, so that way I can respond to it uh, in the way in which it ought to be responded to. No, I, I, I believe you're, you're, you're prepared. Then, um, what, what I would, what, uh, what was suggested was that isn't all media manipulated, yes. and isn't that yes. what compels us? Yes and no. And, okay, and let me and let me yeah. So first and foremost, I there are a couple of points that I was made, and one of my one of my points was that of course it was melodramatic and extremely emotional, and that during my week I just don't need that kind of um, what I what I described as pseudo catharsis. But I just I, I don't need a good cry once or twice a week uh, watching watching a program. Okay. Um, right, and, that's, right. and that's me. That, that's that's just how I how I operate. First, second, and to be fair, I have not watched specifically This Is Us. It's a very right. popular show, but at, but at any given time for the last probably thirty years, there has been a popular nighttime melodrama where the characters, uh, whether it's Grey's Anatomy or Sisters or whatever, where the main characters are thrust into these situations, uh, which. With, which, if anyone were thrust into them, would probably be very, very emotional. It is not that real life is without its um, challenges, you know, whether – and some of these emotional moments can be good or bad, you know, someone finally overcomes uh, – finally speaks, right, or, or, or the death of a loved one or, or a breakup, all of these things. We all go through some version of these things. But when you have a serial program, when the main characters, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this is us, probably centers around, what, a couple of different families? I believe so, yes. I, remember, I also have not seen this program except for... Yeah, but I mean, you watched one of these. I mean, you, you kind of get the gist of it in your 15, 20 minutes. Like, there's, it's a multicast program, no? Uh, yes, correct. Okay. That, and, and every, basically every week, there's some sort of setup to some big thing. Or emotional thing, right? Uh, theoretically, or build towards that. Yes, 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 yes. Right. Okay. And and so any if you're if you're nobody lives their life like that. Okay. Everybody everybody has those moments, but if everyone had those moments constantly, we'd be pushed to the brink of like mental breakdown. So it's manipulative, but. For me, that kind of programming is also, dare I say, and I don't mean to upset anybody, kind of lazy. So how about this as a little bit of pushback, though? Uh, again, with regard to all media being manipulative, of course, but also 
no medium or media um, is meant to replicate real life. So, of course, in a program of an hour a week. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Stop, stop. So, uh, so a show like we were just talking last week about the Queen's Gambit. They, these Perfect, are yeah. this is, these are extraordinary. These are extraordinary characters, right? Or, or like the best character is an extraordinary character in an extraordinary circumstance, and yet somehow they are able to create create a world in which we relate to her. And ah, the experiences cool. that she that she goes through, we can relate. We find we find very relatable if it's done effectively. And it and for, right. Okay. Right. Oh no, I'm well, looking at. Conversely, conversely, some of these nighttime melodramas, the characters are are pretend normal. Like you watch the show, did you see any like normal looking people or ugly people? Uh, no, right. not necessarily. Are you, you, and, we, and we, by the way, by the way, we, by the way, we did, we did, we, we never see that in Hollywood. We didn't see the Queen's Gambit either. But again, these are extraordinary characters. They're trying to pretend that these characters are just like us in in nighttime melodramas, in situations just like we find ourselves in. But it ha- and and then of course the situations are so so saccharine or so em- emotionally charged that we have no choice but to react, if, unless we're a, unless we're sociopaths. Okay. Right. No. But, yeah. Yeah. But, but there's not. But, but 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 there's nothing necessarily extraordinary about the circumstances. Maybe that's what that's what draws other people in. For me, it's not. I don't. I don't care to see that. Right. I. It's obviously this show is very successful, and there's always been a show like it for generations. Okay. But, um, you know, I, I have the same criticism of it in, in a show that's not really a nighttime melodrama, but what is now referred to as propaganda, but uh, Law & Order SVU. I don't even remember the actor's name. The, the character's name, I think, is Elliot. He was the, way, was the first incarnation. He was like this sort of balding detective. And okay. for the yeah. few episodes I would watch, he would always be so angry, like, I'm going to get you, grr, 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 and just so intense. I used to say, man, if any detective uh, was that – had operated on that emotional of a pitch, he'd be burned out after a month, right? Which is why, right. you know, it, you know and, and, I, and I, I feel the same way about the nighttime melodramas, that, like, it's just always something. And that's what the viewer tunes in to see. Um, yeah. For me, I I I I sort of see it to a point where like I don't want to see that. Like I said, it's a Tuesday, and and so although all media is manipulative to a point, if I'm if I'm if I'm hyper cognitive of cognizant or hyper aware of its uh, manipulative tools, then I would argue they're less effective. Right, it becomes distracting at that point. Right, right. Interesting. Uh, you know, you, you have fundamentally, I would say, uh, changed my perspective on this conversation. And it, 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 you know what? I, I feel like the turn for me was the move from the word manipulative to melodrama. And melodrama, because I also had a discussion about the comparison between, um, say, um, This Is Us or a nighttime melodrama and a soap opera. And basically the context was that 
soap operas, you know, their basis is in, like, scandal and, um, you know, cheating and um, lying and all these sorts of things. And so this is us as a far more broader um, category of scope that encapsulates us as humans in a greater degree than a soap opera that is far more fantasy and scandal-driven. But if we change the word manipulative to, to melodrama, I almost feel like that that change that makes the point in its entirety. And um, the other thing that I was going to say, I'm glad that you brought up Queen's Gambit again because we are now up to we have the last episode to see tonight. And so there was the final turn about the person who comes to favor, um, and I felt. Last night, like, Queen Gambit was encapsulating all the things that you had previously said about This Is Us in terms of, like, every single turn that was made in that show so far was predictable and was almost was verbally predicted within five minutes to an hour before it happened, or five seconds to an hour before it happened. This final turn... As soon as the door opened, I, it was obvious who it would be and why it would be that person. But um, but it's still satisfying. It's okay. I, I, I'm going to insist going forward, you don't have to do this time, that we start talking about who the characters are and what happens. I, if, if someone stops watching the show because you gave something away, that's on them. We, we can yeah, always yeah, be but, spoiler alert, but I would much rather talk, talk in specifics than talk in like, and then this one character did this one significant thing. Eh, who cares? Well, right? well, I, I understand, but I, I believe that my point is separate from who the character is or what it is that happens. And if someone wants to see... Right, but, it, but, it, but it, helps, it, it helps illustrate the point if you refer to specifics. You were a history teacher. If you were reading an essay that someone spoke in generalities and not adding specifics, you know, this, the point isn't uh, made as effectively. Um but um, and that's just again my opinion. You know, uh, I, I like because I, I like to be able to not have, even even though I've seen it, I like to have to not to think which, which one is he talking about, what episode, where. You know, I want to be able to respond to what you're saying. Um, now I, I like your point. I I think also by the way that I think it's a really good point that soap operas tend to involve themselves in scandal, but. Um, which, which of course, you know, with cheating and, and lovers cross and things like that. But there, I believe there are elements of that in the nighttime melodrama, just not as often and not to the same degree. Oh yeah, and, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right, and the and, the, and to be fair, the acting is better in the nighttime melodramas. The situations mm -hmm. are more realistic than in soap operas. But fundamentally, the the manner in which these it, they're just they're just situations that are thrown at you that would if you were in that situation respond to but it's not necessarily it's not an extraordinary story that you find relatable it's just a thing happening with gorgeous people that is similar to what would happen to you but it happens week after week whereas in your life it, it would not happen week after week at least not never ending not without not without breaking you um, as a as a human and right so you know this, this you know that that's sort of my take, and and by the way, I don't mean I, I someone's allowed to watch that. Right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so, no, I I got yeah, that. I thing. mean, you know, it, right? You know, I it's just it's not for me, and that's why because this is my experience when I watch it. Well, yeah. And, if I ruined, ruined it for anyone, if I've ruined it for anyone, I am I, I'm simultaneously apologetic 
but also encourage you to say, wow, now I'm free from the shackles of this. Let's go find something better. <laughs> well, no. well I, I'm certainly not a fan, but I, I don't expect anyone to be a fan of what I'm a fan of. And it, it is uh, very, very reminiscent of one of my favorite um, Joe Rogan bits about where he talks about um, – you know, that, that you, you don't need to be a fan of everything, and if you're not a fan of it, it doesn't mean that it lacks quality. He said, you know, he uh, references uh, yellow cars, how he's not a fan of yellow cars. Some people like yellow cars. That's cool. I don't. And get, get on with your bad self as far as your yellow cars go. And uh, I, I hate him to add that he also references the Grateful Dead in that bit. And, um, you know, that, that one hits a little closer to home. But the, the the fact that it gets so close to home, I think, makes me it almost makes me more empathetic about people who are into things like um, This Is Us or NASCAR or right. uh, any number or Civil War reenactments. You know, things that hey, it's just not my thing. But uh, if if it brings you joy, bring it on. Uh, I'm 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 gonna push back really hard on NASCAR and Civil War reenactments. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say that. I'm going to say that if you're into those things, you 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 really need to take a good hard look, real look in the mirror. <laughs> well, okay. Well, then, then I I will I will accept your Civil War reenactments, and I will just go with the more broad term of um, battleground reenactments, just so that we don't need to get okay. into that uh, you know the, the the that Civil War issue. But you know, right. I know the, well, there, there's really I mean, how, I, yeah, yeah, okay, fair enough. How about <laughs> How about how about we just say some people like yellow cars and leave it at that. Some people like yellow cars. Well, and the other one that he uses is Barbies. <laughs> so I and I'm sure the rest of our hordes of listeners are very interested in what it is that um, you're going to be listening to this week and or watching. So um, I don't know about you, but I can't wait till next week rolls around. Um, I, I'm on pins and needles. <laughs> you have created a scenario in which you are on pins and needles. Checkmate. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right, later. Later.